Hi, I'm Beth Fuller, and you're listening to the Food Adventures Podcast. I know the world can feel intimidating or scary at times, but I'm here to tell you it doesn't have to be. Through the lens of food, we can learn so much about one another, celebrate our differences, and maybe eat some tasty food along the way. Are you ready to do this? I know I am. So let's go on a food adventure together right now. Hey everyone, you're listening to the Food Adventures Podcast, and I'm your host, Beth Fuller. This is episode 13. I love the number 13. It's one of my lucky numbers. I was born on the 13th of December, in case you want to send me a late birthday present, or an early one for next year. All right, don't take notes. I've taken notes. You know the drill. Go on my website, elizabethrfuller.com, for everything. Do you want to work together? Do you want to support this podcast? I'm a professional food and product photographer. If you go on my website, you'll see my portfolio. Shoot me an email. Let's work together. I can make all of your stuff look spectacular. (laughs) If you want to follow me on Instagram, it's let's go on a food adventure. Send me an email with all of your questions. I love your questions. These are like the highlight of my week to answer. Let's go on a food adventure at gmail.com. I think I've covered all the bases. Let's do this, you guys. I feel like I say this every single episode, but I'm so excited for today and what we're going to talk about. Um, So, you know, behind the scenes, I take all of these photos, right? It's not just for the podcast. I mean, it's what I do for income and I love it. And any day I get to hold a camera is a really, 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 really good day. But um, for these podcast episodes on my Instagram page, you're going to see all of these beautiful photos that I've taken. And what's really fun is I go on all of these like food adventures for these episodes. So for example, today we're talking all about Lebanon and Lebanese cuisine with the most amazing person on the planet. I love her with all of my heart and soul. And um, more about that later. I will continue to gush. Don't you worry. But leading up to this episode, I went and found this beautiful Lebanese market in Norwood, Massachusetts. If you live in Massachusetts, it's right off of Route 1. Super easy. The food is amazing. Their produce is great. And their products are just, it was like, I went literally to Lebanon for a quick second and I bought everything. Um, But like, I went there. I drove, it's probably about 30 minutes from my house each way. Drove up there, did that. Got this incredible cookbook that Rosie recommended our guest today. And I've been cooking Lebanese food now for a week and taking pictures of it and just immersing myself in the culture, the spices. I mean, geez, I made my own fresh pita, which I'm sure you've seen a picture of now. I put it all over Instagram. But it's been such a beautiful journey and like a break from our normal like food. I mean, not even normal food, this whole entire podcast. Like I get, I used to get into these food ruts where, and I'm sure we've all experienced them where you're like, I don't want to eat another salad. or I don't want to have more soup or I don't know where to eat tonight. I don't want to get takeout from that place. We already got it four times last week. Like I don't want to, you know, and it's all these, I don't want to, I don't want to, like, what do you want? I don't know. Because you're so fatigued for making decisions all day that you can't even wrap your head around finding something that you want to eat that might bring you joy. So anyway, this podcast has really forced me even more, and I'm an adventurous cook anyway, but like it's forced me even more to push myself even harder and 
try new things. And I have to say it has been and is continuing to amaze me in the most beautiful ways possible. So I hope that this inspires you to maybe go do something similar in your own home kitchen or find a cool restaurant or go to a cool market that you might not normally step inside of because I'm telling you, I miss traveling. I miss experiencing new cultures, new people, and even going to this little market and having a beautiful conversation with someone who worked there that was from Lebanon and experiencing some of their food, which is now something I am going to continue to make in my own home kitchen. I don't know. It brought me a lot of joy and it, it like shook my life up for a second in a wonderful way. So I hope this does the same for you is my point in my long-winded explanation of kind of nothing, but something all at the same time. Okay, let's try our hand at a couple listener questions together. So Shannon from Instagram writes, I tried making my own pita at home, but it wouldn't puff up. What happened and how can I get better results? Shannon, I too tried to make my own pita this week. And I too had this issue. So here's what I found out. So pita bread dough is a really easy dough. Not easy, because I failed at it the first time I made it. It took me two rounds to get this right. I'm not going to lie. Um, so pita bread, it's a, it's a simpler dough. It's a less complicated dough when you're making it. And so I highly recommend trying it at home if you haven't yet. Please give this a whirl. Um, and I can link a recipe on the website. But there's a cookbook that Rosie's going to recommend that I will also link on the website that has an incredible pita recipe in it that I use. So... With pita bread, it's basically flour, water, dry active yeast, and a little bit of sugar to feed the yeast, and then some Lebanese olive oil is what I ended up using. Uh, It has great flavor. And the issue I ran into was, and again, like you're kneading it like a normal bread dough, letting it rest, but not, it doesn't take all day. This is not one of those bread doughs that like you're babysitting for a weekend. Oh, no, no, no. No, no, this is like same day. You're getting some gorgeous pita bread out of it. So um, once you roll it into the the eight balls, like you let it rise once, roll it into eight balls, kind of let it rise again, and then you're going to bake them in the oven. And when you're baking them in the oven, the key with, with getting them to puff is the oven needs to be ripping hot because the steam from the dough is going to happen really quickly inside the dough. The steam's going to make it go poof. Um, I'm not a food scientist, as I always state in, a, in most every episode when we start talking about this, so I don't know the molecular structure of the inner workings of the dough. All I know is that there's steam involved and it makes it puff. And so if your oven's not hot enough, you're not going to get the rise. Also, fun fact, once they puff, you're pulling them out pretty quickly after that because if you leave them in any longer um, or a little, even a, a hair too long, they then turn into pita chips <laughs> like very quickly and there will be a pita form of a pita chip. So you can still like whack it and, you know, make it into a pita chip. Um, but 
it doesn't do what you want it to do. It's not like a beautiful, light, soft, fluffy pita. It's definitely a hard, crispy chip. When you leave it in, I'm not even kidding, a second too long. But like I said, the dough is super easy to come together, so you can try it a few times. So my guess is it was one of two things. Either the yeast was not happy and you never got the rise, but I'm guessing you probably got the rise if you followed the recipe and then went forward and put it in the oven. So my second guess would be the oven was not hot enough. So I would definitely try it again. Um, even the duds that we had that were like flat, <laughs> not not fluffy pita-like, still were pretty good. I'm not going to lie. Like I, we still, I almost used them as croutons in a fatouche salad that was delicious. So anyway, I hope this helps Shannon. I will link a recipe on the website in the show notes for you. Thank you for your question. Mackenzie in Washington writes, I bought orange blossom in rose water for a recipe and now I don't know what else to do with them. Do you have any other ideas or recipes you could pass along? I do because I ran into the same issue. So first and foremost, for those of you who don't know what these two items are, they're basically flavored waters that um, are made with, for example, the rose petal. The rose water is literally rose petals that are simmered or distilled in water. So it's got a very strong rose flavor. I think a little goes a long way with either of these. So when you buy the bottle, you, you only use like a tablespoon, sometimes maybe a little bit more in recipes. And then you're like, well, what else do I do with this? The orange blossom water, same thing. It's made with the actual blossoms from an orange tree. So it does have the, a slight citrusy, orangey back note, but again, it's very floral. So both waters are unique and, and gorgeous if you like those floral, floral flavors. Sorry, that was a little bit of a tongue twister. So when I was doing some research on what to use mine up with, I came across a few recipes that I will again link in the show notes, but I'm just going to briefly talk about. Like for the rose one, I think rose and other fruits pair really well together, like strawberries or maybe nectarines. And I would, again, stick more in the desserty route with this particular one. Um, so like rose strawberry cupcakes. And strawberries are coming in season up here in the Northeast soon. Um, jams, fruit jams, different types of fruit jams. A little rose water would give it a gorgeous back note. Um, maybe you can make a granita, like a honeydew lemon or honeydew melon and rose granita or maybe a nectarine creamsicle that is flavored with a little bit of rose water or go the French macaron root. I hope I'm saying, pronouncing that right. Um, with the orange blossom water, I think you can go a, a teeny tiny bit savory maybe with this. But again, it is, to me at least, I gravitate more towards sweeter flavors that would pair with this. Um, I think for a savory one, maybe you could do a a savory tomato jam and add a little bit of the orange blossom to it. But I would think like, you know, an almond plum tart or maybe like a fun take on pancakes and go like baklava kind of style with it. Or a, you could maybe use it as a dressing um, and add a little few drops to a favorite dressing and dress like a kale salad with maybe some um, dried cranberries or raisins or throw some pomegranate seeds in it. Um, you could maybe add it to a brioche dough. That would be kind of yummy. 
or a few drops in the fall to an apple pie. But anyway, I hope these inspire you and help. And again, I will link some more recipes on the show notes that would use some of these items up and keep using them because I think they're really beautiful and interesting and they add a little bit of like, what is that flavor to a recipe when someone's eating it that doesn't necessarily know how you made it? So don't leave them in your pantry. Use these beautiful ingredients up. So you know what? I think it's time. I think it's time we bring on our incredible guest today. Her family immigrated here from Lebanon by way of Canada. She is extremely connected to her Lebanese roots. She absolutely loves to cook and pretty much will cook anything and everything she can in her home kitchen, which I find extremely inspiring. She also is someone who has been on national TV a handful of times. She's been on The View, QVC, Shark Tank, scored a deal with Mr. Wonderful for a company that her and her sister co-founded called Surprise Ride. And she did all of these things before she turned 30. (laughs) She's amazing. I feel extremely lucky and honored to be able to call her one of my really good friends. I love her with all my heart. She's an incredible entrepreneur and gives me so much inspiration on the daily. She's a joy. She's one of the lights in my life. Rosie, I love you so much. Please, please, please welcome to the show, Rosie Califf. Hey, sister, how are you? Good, I'm so happy to be here. Thanks. I'm so happy to have you here. This means so much to me. So um, as I mentioned earlier in your intro, Rosie is one of my like greatest girlfriends I, that I have acquired in my life in the last probably five years. And I am like so utterly grateful, not just to be like, she's my friend, like she's my really good friend. And she's the most amazing Lebanese goddess that I know. And I'm just utterly in love with you. So thank you. Thank you for- The feeling is so mutual. Love you so much. I could gush all day about you. So right now you're in DC, right? Yes. Okay. But originally you were not in DC. You were from a little country called Lebanon. Yes. Okay. And hopefully my New Hampshire public school system does not fail me right now, but Lebanon, correct me if I'm wrong, is on the Mediterranean coast. And it's like sandwiched between, well, Turkey's a little bit across the pond and then there's Cyprus. And then like, is Jerusalem below? And then- Syria. Yeah. Syria next door. So it's almost like the gateway to the Middle East, sort of, right? Yes. I love the way you put it. Yeah. Lebanon is a very small country in the Middle East. It's literally smaller than many U.S. states. Um, And it's a beautiful place because it's right on the water. So you have the benefit of having the Mediterranean there, which obviously is gorgeous. And then also having mountains on the inland side. So it kind of has the best of both. Mm. And then is your family from um, the capital city, Beirut? No, actually. Oh, where are you guys from? Yeah, we're from a place called Biblos. And Biblos is right on the water. It's a little seaport town. There's a little um, port that comes in where boats can come in. And it is actually one of the oldest inhabited, continuously inhabited towns in the the world. (gasps) 
That's so cool. Oh man. What would you, can you compare it to something maybe in the U S in terms of like what it might feel or look like? Yeah. So it looks more like Italy probably than anything in the U S because of the boats and the water and just that small town feel Mm -hmm. that you get. But what's interesting is it's only 40 minutes away from the capital, which is Beirut. which is where my husband is from. So it's really a great place because it's kind of the best of the city life that you can easily go to, but it also Mm -hmm. has that kind of homey feel that you would get from a small beach town. It's a total beach town. I love that. It reminds me, I've never been, but in my mind that now we're going there, I I feel like it's probably very similar to little towns in Portugal almost where it's got like that, that the fisherman vibe, Mm -hmm. it's low key, it's very relaxed, but it also has like that saltiness to it. And I mean like that working class kind of hustle that, yeah, totally. Exactly. And if I had to compare it to something in the U S I guess I would say maybe Venice in the sense that it's very beach culture and you can walk around and enjoy the restaurants and the nightlife and all that. I'm going, I'm totally going. I mean, you're welcome to come visit. Um, I'm already booking my weekender. Okay. Let's do this. Seriously. Uh, when did your family come to the U S and why? Oh man, it's a long story, but I will make it shorter. So my family, so my parent, my mom is actually born in Egypt, um, to Lebanese parents and met my dad in Kuwait. My dad is from Lebanon, grew up in Lebanon his whole life, and they got married. Long story short, they ended up living in Dubai, then Kuwait, then Dubai, and then finally moved to Lebanon and built a home there for themselves. And then the war broke out. So Mm -hmm. they had three kids. The war broke out. They had to leave because it was just unsafe for the family. So they fled um, on a boat in the middle of the night to Cyprus from Lebanon, which was a very difficult journey. Obviously there was an active war happening during that time. And they ended up being accepted to Canada as refugees. Mm. So Canada was at that time had their doors open to people that were coming from that area of the world. And I wasn't born yet. So I ended up being born in Canada. Mm. So I was the fourth child of my parents. And then we finally ended up moving to the United States because my mom won the green card lottery. Oh my God. That's insane. Yeah. It's really crazy. And even saying it out loud feels surreal because it sounds like a movie. And she literally applied to this green card lottery that someone, a friend of a friend had told her about and no one thought it was real. We thought it was a scam, but she's such an optimist and a positive person that she decided to do it. And I'll never forget that day when we got the Manola, like a Manila envelope uh-huh. that said, congratulations, you have won the United States. Green Come Party. on down. You're the next yeah. contestant. On the Literally. Like, exactly. Oh it, it's God. really like that. It really is. And now fast forward to, you know, 25 plus years later, Yeah. here we are, all, our whole family is here. Um, and we've all settled and gone on to do a number of things because we were given that opportunity. That's insane. So where in Canada did you, did you, were you born and grew up? For Montreal. The first oh, I love Montreal. Yeah. I go, we try to go almost once a year. It's love, love, love Montreal. It feels like Europe when you're up it there. It does. Yeah. I agree. And I would, I always tell everyone, you know, if you want to go and you've never been go during the warmer months mm-hmm. and you'll really get a good sense of, of the actual city and, and how it feels. That's awesome that you grew up there for five, you were there for five years in Montreal. Yeah. That's awesome. Exactly. That's incredible. 
Thank you. So we're here to talk about Lebanese cuisine. I fell in love with Lebanese cuisine. Probably I didn't realize what I was eating earlier in life. And then like in my early twenties, I was obsessed with late night shawarma, like obsessed. There is something about it that even like in most cases, if there's pizza or late night shawarma, I'm going late night shawarma on that one. Yeah, I'm going to say, I'm going to say it. And there's this place by a bar I used to work at in Cambridge in central square called shawarma palace. It's not there any longer. I don't think, but my God, there was a line out the door and he only had like two kinds a night and he would literally just be like chicken shawarma, lamb shawarma and like hand them out. And that was it. He was like the, the soup Nazi of the shawarma world. Awesome. Oh my God. It was awesome. I still, I can smell it and crave it right now. Like my mouth is salivating. Me too. <laughs> so what are some of the flavor profiles of Lebanese cuisine for everyone who's not, I mean, and shawarma is just the tiny little tipping of the iceberg of this. So t- tell me, tell me everything. Okay. So we do a lot of, um, citrus flavors. Mm. So when you think about citrus, you probably think about lemon, which we definitely use lemon, mm-hmm. but we also use sumac, which is pronounced sumac in, in Arabic, but, um, it's basically a berry that is very acidic. And so we use that as a topping for salads. And we'll talk about I'll talk about all the uses for it after, but it's a wonderful kind of flavor. So citrus, I would say is one of the huge ones. The other one is more of a warm type of flavor profile. And so when you think of warmth, I would want you to think about cinnamon and allspice and nutmeg. And those are kind of core spices that we use part Mm. of our seven spice mix, our Lebanese seven spice mix. So it's kind of interesting. There's not a lot of spicy in this, in the regular sense of spicy. It's more uh, a use of spice to kind of evoke a sense of homey, cozy, warm feeling that you would get from those spices. That is so poetically beautiful. Oh, <laughs> like, it's I'm so like, good. I just love Lebanese food. I do too. And when you said warm spices, my mind exactly went where you, where you wanted it to go, because those to me are like the baking spices. Mm. Um, you know, that's, that's what yes. we call it here in the U S but, um, exactly. Oh, exactly. I love cozy. Your Lebanese cuisine makes you feel warm and cozy on the inside and not because yeah. it's burning your innards because of spice, like some other types of food, which I right. love. I love. Yeah, I, I yeah. ate a ton of Indian food last night and my stomach was um, literally like a little furnace for hours mm-hmm. because I was like, holy macaroni. We should not have picked the hot button when we ordered this takeout, but yeah, I can't handle that. I'm all, I, they asked me one to five and I say, I'll take a one. I'll do, yeah, I, I can have a two yeah. and a three, but we went for the five last night with two of the dishes. And that was a huge mistake. Huge. That's mistake. intense. Yeah, yeah. Massive. I'm not Padma Lakshmi, even though I wish I was. Oh my um, God. Love her. Well, she can do no wrong She's in my the eyes. queen. Oh, the her queen. and Samin Nosarat. Oh my God. My same. God. Oh, if same. I could have a dinner with them. <laughs> Manifest it, girl. You can. You got it. I'm on it. All right. So we have citrus. We have warm spices. Where do we start cooking? How do how am I making Lebanese food? And I know this is a very, very broad question for a really big cuisine. Tips, techniques, tell me, tell me. 
Okay. So many, where do I start? Let me start with something very simple. So one kind of flavor combo that we use a lot is we, the way we say it is to Muhammad and it literally means garlic and lemon. And so that is kind of a flavor combo. Those two flavors together come in many ways throughout our, our food. And so one of the ways is we literally use a little, a little clove of crushed garlic with lemon and olive oil. And that is our salad dressing. That is the salad dressing we use for any salad that you're going to have on a regular day that's not trying to be fancy or, or something extra special. It's that. Uh, we also use lemon and garlic, that same combination over meat that's been that's cooking. We put it on top and we let it cook for a little and it adds a lot of flavor. That same combo will be used in a stuffed. It's literally something that's just used throughout so much. So yeah. what I would suggest is uh, we also use a lot of dried mint. So I think mm. if you incorporate some of these spices, you buy them if you don't already have them and you start to sort of dabble in terms of how you can add them to the foods you're already cooking. So dried mint is obviously beautiful with yogurt, which is how we use it. But mm -hmm. we also use it on top of not just salads, but on top of cooked lentils, for example. Mm -hmm. You know, you can, it, it's very versatile. So I would recommend that folks maybe find a dish that they like to eat in restaurants potentially and try to replicate making it at home uh, as an initial kind of foray into Lebanese cuisine. And I would probably recommend maybe just making some Lebanese rice, which has the seven spices in it. And it's topped with, usually it has ground beef, but you can totally omit the ground beef. And it's topped with um, fried nuts. What kind of nuts? Oh my God. It's so good. So pine nuts, almonds, oh, okay. mm. pine nuts, almonds. Some people who are fancy throw in cashews. Ooh. We don't really use walnuts in that particular dish, mm -hmm. but they fry them up with a little bit of butter or just dry, dry roast them in a pan. And then that gets topped on top of the rice. So the rice has a lot of the warm flavors that I was describing earlier, but it also has that crunch from the nuts. And people usually, it's called the rizajij, which literally means chicken with rice with chicken. Mm -hmm. And so the rice has ground beef in it. And then it's also topped with um, stewed chicken breast or chicken pieces. Mm -hmm. Now, the way I make it, I make it vegetarian a lot. So I literally will make the rice. I'll cook it with vegetarian broth. And then I will add the seven spices and salt, of course. And mm -hmm. then I literally top it with the nuts. So there are ways to make our food is actually, there is a plethora of, of dishes that are very vegetarian. Mm. So can we go back to the olive oil? When I was talking to my friends in Italy in a couple episodes ago, the olive oil in that region, and I, I know you probably feel the same way, varies so much from the north to the south, which then is reflected in their cooking. What olive oil do you guys in Lebanon tend to use? Is it Greek? Is it? No, it's Lebanese. Oh, we you have, have your own. Stop we have it. our own olive oil. And I know I'm biased if I say that it's, I think it's the best, but it really is because it's very cloudy. It's a very green olive oil. Mm. So it's the highest quality olive oil. People don't actually cook with it hot in Lebanon. They'll never heat that up because it's, okay. it's liquid gold. Right. And so mm. we top uh, lebne, which is the, the, our yogurt, mm -hmm. our kind of, our, you know, our, our, it's a breakfast dish, but here in the U S people eat it all the time, which is great. We top hummus <laughs> with it. Uh -huh. We, you know, we, you, we have on our table, on our lunch table, or our dining table, there is always olive oil. 
ready to go. There's mm-hmm. also always za'atar, which is a Lebanese mm-hmm. um, herb mix mixed with olive oil, always at the table. Jam is always there. There's just, those are the staples what that we have. Jam? Homemade jam, always. It'll fruit be jam. apricot. Mm-hmm. Yes, okay. fruit jam. So apricot jam, fig jam. It depends what's in season. Mm. Uh, cherry jam. It depends what's in season and people will make it at home. So most people make their own jam. I love this like salty, sweet, not spicy, but like just you're hitting every flavor. I know. It's complex. It really is complex in a way that's hard to describe sometimes. Yeah. I'm like, I, I, I'm so glad we're talking now at 11 because I can tell you when we're done, I am like jumping off and making something that's Lebanese yummy for lunch. I'm pumped. Okay. What are your kitchen must-haves? We've kind of, we talked about it a little bit just a second ago um, when it comes to making Lebanese cuisine. So a couple of different things. I used to never use a garlic press, uh, but I have one now from Pampered Chef. It was maybe 30 bucks or something. And I like it from when I don't want to touch the garlic. So I usually use a micro grater, which I know you do that too. I love micro graters, but it's great when you just don't feel like getting your hands garlic smelling. And the cooking that does have a lot of garlic, not in the American Italian way, but more in the, you put a small amount and you may even keep it raw kind of way. Mm-hmm. You, you don't always want to touch it. So I love that. Uh, the other thing that I have is a, a little strainer, which I use for my mint leaves. And I just put the mint leaves in there and I, that way I don't get any of the stems in it. So it's, it's, it's not a big deal, but it's just the way that you kind of want to use, want to use that instrument as a way to not get stems into your yogurt sauce or whatever. I love that. So when you say mint, because mint, when you buy it at the grocery dried store, mint. dried mint, is there, is it a special Lebanese dried mint? No, it's, it can be any mint that you can literally dry it yourself. I would okay. not recommend you buy mint in the stores. It's okay. just not going to be high quality enough. And there's a lot of fillers in there. So what I would recommend is going to an Asian supermarket or I love Asian supermarkets. Me they have, too. they always have a lot of mint or, you know, whatever ethnic food store and getting a big bunch of mint and then drying it yourself at home. Oh. And it's really easy to do. You just put, wash it first. And then put it on uh, two, you know, two paper, not paper, two fabric napkins, Mm -hmm. and then put the other one on top and just leave it. You could leave it on top of your fridge. You can leave it out in the sun by a window. And then with a few, within a few days, you'll have dried mint that is just such high quality. Wow. That's amazing. That's what I do. Okay. That's what I'm going to do now from now on. Please do. So we have some listener questions. Do you want to answer some? I love those. Okay, great. Temis from Instagram asks, what is your favorite Lebanese dish that your parents make? Oh, such a good one. So my favorite dish, my favorite Lebanese dish, this is definitely an advanced level dish. So if any of my listeners out there that would want to try it, I recommend you, you do it. It'll take you a couple hours. It is (laughs) stuffed cabbage rolls. So, so amazing. Mm -hmm. I want to tell you what they are. So they are stuffed with rice and ground beef. Mm-hmm. But you can also omit the ground beef, which I've done many times. Mm-hmm. And then I would just stuff them with rice, tomatoes, parsley, mint. And that's what I would use for the stuffing. Mm-hmm. Or it would be rice with ground beef and the seven spices, the Lebanese seven spices that we mentioned. And mm-hmm. then you roll them up 
and you put them in a big pot and you add garlic throughout the layers, just big, you know, just cloves of garlic, you throw them in there. And then once the whole dish is done, you crush up garlic with lemon, lemon mm. juice and shocking, mint. shocking, yeah, shocking, uh-huh. right? Yeah, yeah. And then you top it on top of it. So the garlic will end up kind of cooking in mm. that mixture because the, everything else is so hot and they're so addictive. You can literally eat 15 of them in one it, because they're, they come out skinny. They're not the thick ones that maybe you see more in Polish cultures. Mm-hmm. They're very skinny. They're skinny, skinny, skinny. Almost like domas, like the, like, yes. Greek. Okay, great. So exactly. m- maybe you can share a recipe with me yeah, and I'll put it love on that. the show notes. Okay. Absolutely. And, um, what can we, cause we touched on it in the beginning, but what are the exact seven spices in, cause you mentioned four of them. Plus. Yeah. Let okay. me tell you yeah. what they are. And okay. sometimes you'll see different variations. So I just okay. want to be very clear. Cumin is not one of them. Okay, great. If you see cumin and a Lebanese seven spice. It's not Lebanese seven spice. Maybe it's Syrian or something else, but it's not Lebanese. So we have, uh, and this can also vary slightly, but great. So the seven spices are black pepper, cinnamon, allspice, cloves, and coriander and we still are missing two more white pepper and ginger yes okay perfect yum i can't believe you have two kinds of pepper up in there because white pepper and black pepper are very different yes different reasons so that and it that's i'm i'm shook and what's interesting is that a lot of people have different variations so this is kind of the variation that i use but you some people like to put for example cardamom in theirs but I definitely mm-hmm. that's not no it's no very way. floral I would yeah. never do that but you know never well never say never but never say if, never if you're making something traditional that reminds you of your family and home you might not put cardamom in it exactly. but other people can you do you out yeah there you do home. you exactly all right so oh, and have, one thing I really yeah. want to add is that you would never make this yourself that's a lot of work you just oh, buy really? the seven spice mix yes so you go to a Middle Eastern store and they have a ton of different middle, you know, seven spices, look at the ingredients, pick the one that seems like what you want and then use that. Don't make it yourself. It's a lot of work okay. Okay. since literally seven. Right. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm going through your list. I was like, oh yeah, I have all of those. <laughs> I bet you do. I do. I, do. I just bought a, a, a lot of spices. Um, Okay. We have two actually international questions, which I'm like, I can't, I'm shook. I'm shook. So I'm going to try to pronounce this name right again. I'm so sorry. Lee Oni, I believe it's French from Paris asks, I love snacks. What is your favorite Lebanese snack? Mm, Good question. So one thing I love to do is buying a variety of different nuts, like cashews, almonds, walnuts, et cetera, and then making my own little mix out of it. Mm -hmm. So typically in Lebanon, when you order an alcoholic beverage, like a beer or wine or anything, they will present you with a little bowl of of Lebanese nuts and maybe some other snacks, kind of like they do in Italy. Mm -hmm. So what I like to do is I like to roast those nuts with some za'atar, which is the herb mix that I mentioned earlier, Mm -hmm. and a little bit of salt. And especially I love adding pomegranate molasses to it. Ooh, 
So it kind of makes it a little bit sticky, but then once you roast it in the oven or even in a pan, it gets kind of hardened as you would imagine because of the sugar crystals hardening. And it, it's such an addictive little mix. And of course, add salt and pepper if you want. And it's so yummy. And I love giving it to guests when they come over and it's really quick and easy. I love that. So that's a good lead into Kyle from Instagram's question. I have a jar of and I'm, Zatar. No, how do you Zatar. Zatar. Did I say it? Yeah. Right? Sort of. It's okay. Thank you. Good job. Zatar. Zatar. Yes. Okay, great. Uh, yeah. And now I don't know what to do with it. What should I put Zatar on or in? Okay, great. Zatar is something that's literally eaten almost every day in Lebanon. And typically we mix it with olive oil and we eat it with pita bread, maybe with cheese. It's also used as a topping for what's called a manushe, which is a Lebanese pizza, you could call it kind of. It's basically dough with the zatar. And sometimes you add cheese on top. So what I like to do with it is I love it in my tomato sauce. It adds Ooh. a lot of earthy flavor and it's perfect. Some zatar has sesame seeds in it. Mm -hmm. So it adds a little bit of that crunch. So I would recommend doing that. But another just easy thing you can do is adding it on top of avocado toast, which can seem so basic, but it's really good. So good. Yeah. It pairs really nicely with avocado, the creaminess. And then also if you squeeze just a little bit of lemon and red pepper flakes on top, Mm -hmm. that takes it to a whole nother level. Or sprinkle Um, like a little sumac too, instead of the lemon juice. Mm -hmm. And then just my last little tip is I would recommend you use it as you would sort of an herb de Provence, like a, like an herb mix that you might have just use it that way. So literally you can do it on roasted potatoes. You can do it on any kind of vegetable. You can do it on top of hummus, obviously, which is actually pronounced hummus, but trying to appeal to, so everyone knows. No, 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 you, no, no. Say it right. Because I, I love when you speak learning the right way, you know, I do too do it. I think it's fabulous. Yeah. So so hopefully those give, give him some ideas, but I would try to experiment. It's you can't go wrong. No, I agree with you. And I, I use, and I love the brand that you, um, suggested to get it from same with the sumac. I think it's, Oh, good. Z and Z. That is a phenomenal family. Yeah. And, the, and the, the spice blend is beautiful. The sumac, their sumac is almost like, it's so fresh and yes. not like dried that yes. it, it's like little it's the jelly best. bites. It's so good. Oh my gosh. I agree. So it is the best sumac I've ever had my entire life. I Hands am down. so grateful that you mentioned it because I Go bought ahead. it right away, bought both right away. And like the, the thing that I would suggest Kyle is literally whatever you're going to use either of these spices on taste the spice first. Then think to yourself, do I like these flavors? I do. Okay, what would these flavors go good with? And then kind of go from there too, because you'd be surprised. It goes great on proteins, fish, chicken, steak. Fish, good idea. Yeah, Yeah, I mean, I think it's a beautiful, beautiful blend. Um, All right, Sherry in Massachusetts asks, I love collecting cookbooks. Do you have a favorite Lebanese and non-Lebanese cookbook that you love? So I don't have a favorite Lebanese off the top of my head, but I do have a favorite Middle Eastern cookbook. So it kind of combines both of her questions in a way. Palestine on a Plate by Judy is just a phenomenal book. A lot of the Palestinian flavors fit sort of the Lebanese profile. Some things Mm -hmm. are slightly different, so I sort of tweak them as I know, but she's an amazing person. If you don't follow her on Instagram already at Palestine on a plate and her book is, is great. And I would highly recommend you buy it. 
Okay, awesome. I'm going to buy it right now. You'll love it. I will link to You'll it love on her. the show notes. Awesome. I can't wait. Lisa in New Hampshire asked, "Do you can you recommend any Lebanese desserts I can make and how do I make them? Such a good question. So a lot of Lebanese desserts are a little bit more on the complex side. So we're, we're thinking Be'lewa, which is the baklava with the filo sheets, mm. or um, there's another one that my mom makes. It's called Knefibjibin, which essentially is a semolina crust with a, a creamy cheese that's all drenched in a orange blossom syrup. But oh, it's complex. Stop yeah. it. It's a little complex. Your mother and My mom is really good. My mom's a really good cook. Oh. She's a phenomenal. We need to have you over. Yeah. So yeah, for sure. So what I would recommend maybe as a first foray into Lebanese flavors in terms of dessert is I would suggest that you purchase orange blossom water or rose water from your local Middle Eastern store. Mm-hmm. I'm sure there's one wherever you live. Mm-hmm. It'll come in a little glass bottle and it's magic. It's literally so yummy, but how I would use it. Here's an easy way. I would make a fruit salad. So I would just dice up whatever fruit you have in the fridge, mm-hmm. add a little bit, squeeze an orange, squeeze a lemon, get, get it. So it's a little bit juicy, not a dry, it's not a dry fruit salad. Lebanese fruit salad is juicy. Mm-hmm. There's a lot of juice in it. And then I would top it with a little bit of pine nuts because that's what we do. And then in the the juice of the actual fruit salad, I would put in a tablespoon or two of orange blossom water or rose water. And that'll quickly give you a sense of sort of Lebanese dessert profile taste-wise, but with very minimal effort. Love that. That sounds so refreshing. I'm not going to It's really good. Yeah. Okay. And then um, we'll link to a couple in the show notes. If you're feeling frisky and want to... um, I can definitely send you some great recipes. Excellent. Perfect. Ella from the UK asks, writes, I have a bottle of pomegranate molasses I bought for a recipe that's been in my fridge for a year. What else can I do with this? And I can relate to this so much. Yes. So many folks can relate to this question. Okay. So one way that I love using pomegranate molasses, and I'll give you a few variations, but when I make lentils, so lentils is another food group that we use a lot in, what, in Lebanese. What kind of lentils? Because there's so many different styles of lentils. Just regular green lentils or little okay. little brown ones. The ones okay. that are very typical and easy to find. So awesome. if you were to cook those, you know, you boil them right, normal. That's how you cook them. And then you add a little bit of pomegranate molasses to them. And when I say a little bit, we really only need a tablespoon, mostly mm-hmm. in any given context. And- that will just take your lentils to the next level. It will give them so much flavor. It gives them a little bit of sweetness with a little bit of the acidity from the pomegranate. So that's a quick, easy side dish that you could do with them. Another thing is you can add them obviously as a glaze. So make a glaze out of them with a little bit of sugar and use them for short ribs. Um, I have an amazing recipe. It's not my recipe. It's amazing person. Her name is Dahlia and I will link to, I will send you her website and her recipe, but she makes these phenomenal pomegranate glazed short ribs. Hello, and they just come doing? out so succulent yeah. and everyone loves them. And they're so easy to make that I make them every time someone comes to visit. Literally. It's like your signature dish. I love exactly. it. That's awesome. Oh yeah. man, that sounds so good. Yeah. Okay, awesome. Sweet. Ella, we're going to be making some short ribs and some lentils. I never would have thought to finish with that in lentils, the pomegranate molasses. It's such a good idea. 
Yes. It let the pomegranate molasses is really, really nice on top of things at the end. So mm-hmm. you, we don't, I don't typically use it bef- while I'm cooking. It's more of a thing you add at the end to add that last flavor. Almost like balsamic. Balsamic. Yeah. Really good. Balsamic exactly. Though. Yeah. Yes. Cause it's nice exactly. and thick and viscous. Could yes. you make a dressing out of it? Like with a oh, yeah, salad and stuff? Yeah. I'm sure. She, I don't know if she's already done that, but that's the, one of the main uses of it yeah. is literally in a dressing and it adds such good sweetness and with olive oil. So I would just do olive oil the pomegranate molasses, you could add a little bit of lemon or cement and then top it on any salad. It's so good. Yeah. So easy. Oh, okay. What is your favorite childhood dish? It's funny. You're going to laugh. My favorite childhood dish would have to be Canadian poutine. Of course. Well, that's I love you, poutine. You were, you were a little yeah. girl when you were there. Yeah. I love poutine so much. My mom would make it for us a lot and I still make it whenever I kind of want something that's just comfort food. Oh yeah. I love poutine. And the key with good poutine is crispy French fries that are like rustically cut and really good cheese curds, really good cheese curds, which are very hard to find here because I found some that are not squeaky. They need to be, they gotta be squeaky. I know. Oh, I can't wait to go to Montreal with you. I, yes, we're going to eat the hell out of that town together, girl. And can I tell you a little guilty secret or whatever? My favorite poutine in Canada is actually from McDonald's. Have you ever had it? I haven't had the McDonald's one, but I've had- It is so good. Is it? So I've had, there's another fast food chain. I forget the name of it. And I've had theirs. And we went to um, Quebec City for like a week one time. And we were up there and which is, you know, so many hours North of Montreal. And they had like another type of, fast food chain there that was just all poutine all the time and they had like you know the kind of like poutine fast food chain that has like 30 different kinds on the menu and I just got the classic one and they put it in the little paper cone thing with the little fork in it and so good it's the absolute best and you can eat it in the summertime it doesn't there is always a good time for poutine especially after cocktails cocktails a night of drinking and then like crushing some poutine on your way home needed i still make it and i just do air fryer for the fries smart so good easy good so good what do you think because of where lebanon is situated in the world and because of it's been through so much turmoil in the last you know recently i mean in in your lifetime and what do you think some of the biggest misconceptions of lebanon that we have are Yeah. I mean, Lebanon is such an interesting place because it's kind of, like you said, in the middle of a lot of things around it. And it's a very small country that encompasses a lot of different types of people. So in terms of religion and beliefs and values, they all live under this one tiny little place. So I think one of the biggest things is that people think, you know, it's, it's always war torn or it's a very unsafe place to be. And that's not true. I mean, it is, there is a lot going on around it, but in general, at at its core, Lebanese people loved love life. And so even when things are not going well in the country, you will never go there and not find people that are so hospitable and that are really trying to make the most of their situation. The amount of resilience that Lebanese people have is truly phenomenal. In any given situation, they will find the best and they will try to make the best out of it. So for example, you know, it could be, it could be, you know, we, there was an explosion August 4th in Lebanon that was very devastating and killed over 300 people. And so many people were displaced out of their homes. 
people are there now still trying to make the best of that situation, even though it's very heartbreaking. So mm-hmm. I think the biggest thing is that Lebanese people are definitely f- people who love to live life as much as possible. And I think, unfortunately, the cards that we've been dealt have not always been the best. And so I think always trying to make the best of it is something that is very characteristic of our people, even people in Lebanon or outside of Lebanon, we have that optimism that's within us. And it's safe. People, people assume because of where it might be situated and the, you know, like you said, the countries that are going on around it have a some some turmoil too but there's turmoil everywhere you look if you look for turmoil you're going to find turmoil but if you look for beautiful positive wonderful things that's what you're going to find and people should not be scared to go to lebanon and they should tourism is huge and when it's safe to do so because of covid right go and go yeah please go yeah and and if you can go with a local that would be amazing. I had my wedding there and we took literally 40 American friends of ours came and we rented a bus and we took them around and we went to the vineyards and to the beach and to the mountains and we showed them everything. So if you can have a local really be there to, to guide you, it would be even better. Yeah. Thank you. I'm coming. I can't wait. I don't know why I wasn't invited to the wedding, but man, oh man, I'm coming to that. I love you. I love you. All right. So what some people may or may not know about you, but I I think we all kind of know this about you. You're an incredible home cook. Like you take it so seriously. It's ingrained in who you are. You are one of those people who show love through cooking and doing for others. Um, as one of the ways you show love, you show love in a lot of ways, but that's one of them. What are you making right now in your own home kitchen that you're really excited about? Oh my God. So many things. One thing that I've been on a kick of lately, and you mentioned this in the beginning of the episode is shawarma. So I've been making a lot of shawarma, beef shawarma, not lamb. Mm. And the way I make it is actually in the slow cooker. Oh, tell me. Yeah, it really is easy and it takes a lot of the work out of it. So I get, you know, big piece of beef, whatever kind, not a big, not an expensive cut, just whatever pot roast or or whatnot, uh, chuck roast. And I add my seven spices Mm -hmm. because that's the main ingredient in the shawarma and salt, pepper, of course, and then onions, tomatoes couple of diced tomatoes in there. I let it sit in a bag for maybe three hours or so. And then I do the slow cooking and I cook it on high for probably five to six hours. And I, at the end of it, I add sumac on top Mm. and it comes out like you would be at a corner store picking it up. It's really good. Okay, but then the the key though is also the bread. That's Are you making your own or are you buying it? I buy my own because I really believe that there are some things that are better left to the professionals (laughs) and bread is that particular bread is very hard to, I mean, in my opinion, it's hard to make. So I do prefer buying it. And I usually buy the, either the thick one that Mm -hmm. you would find at a whole foods Trader Joe's, Mm -hmm. or I buy the one from a middle Eastern store, which is thin. And then I use two of them so that the mm-hmm. juice doesn't. And then do you, food. do you roll? Cause one of my favorite parts is when it gets rolled up and then it gets pressed either against the, the, the grill grate or yep. like on a flat top, do you get it crunchy? 
So I, yeah. So what I do is I use aluminum foil and parchment paper yeah. and I put my, so I do it really professional. I put my bread yeah. down yeah. and then I put the, the show in my mix. I do pickles. Lebanese pickles are the best. Oh, I have to go buy some. So good. I've never tried them. They are phenomenal at mm-hmm. a Middle Eastern store. And then I do fries, even though some people don't, but we love yeah, fries, yeah. Yeah. fries, a little bit of parsley, and then the tana sauce. Which is a must. We didn't talk about that, but it no, is we a didn't. Must. Let's talk about we. Let's talk about Lebanese pickles real quick, and we need okay, to. Like, you have to get Lebanese special, pickles. But why? What makes okay? Them so special? Lebanese pickles are not from a regular cucumber that you know that you buy in your mm-hmm. in regular stores. They're from a wild cucumber, sometimes named Armenian cucumbers. So mm-hmm. if you look that up, you'll see they're very, they're paler in color and they have more ridges on them, and mm-hmm. they're just the freaking best. So they're amazing. We buy them in jars, buy the jars and we eat them. I snack on them. One of my closest friends, Taylor literally craves them so much that she can eat a whole pickle jar. That's how good they are. Oh my God. I love it. Do you? Okay. And then, um, the, I'm going to say, say it again. Tine. Cause I want to say tahini and I'm not, I know. I know. It's okay to say it one more time. Imagine it's a T E, not an A. Tine. 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 H E E N. Tine. Tine. Yeah. Tine. Okay. Yeah, that's it. Okay. And then let's talk about the tine sauce. Yeah. So tina sauce is something that we love. It's so easy to make. And I know it's become very popular now mm-hmm. in recent years on as salad dressings, especially vegan dressings, because mm-hmm. it's very creamy. So it's, it's a sesame paste. So it's essentially ground up sesame seeds. That is just so good. It has mm-hmm. such a beautiful creamy flavor, obviously, but it also has a nice toasty flavor because of the sesame seeds, obviously. So we use it in a number of different ways, but mostly to top different things. So real quick, you could make uh, just a filet of fish and then you can make your tana sauce, which is one clove of crushed garlic, one fresh lemon juice, the tana, maybe half a cup of tana, and then you add water to sort of make it more liquid Mm -hmm. and it becomes creamy. It's so interesting. Once you add the water, it becomes white. Mm-hmm. It becomes a white color, which mm-hmm. I don't know how the science works, but it's Nature. really, cool, really yeah, interesting. So cool. So on fresh fish, drizzle that on fresh fish mm-hmm. or on shawarma as a dip for fries on top of roasted carrots with za'atar and then the tina on top. Love that. I'm so hungry. You're killing me right so now. Ideas. I'm loving it. So I know you are a, and I mentioned this in your intro, an incredible entrepreneur and is doing so many wonderful things out in the world. How can people get a hold of you? How, what services, I mean, you, let's talk about you for a second. You're so sweet. So I, my company's called Surprise Ride and uh, we make products for kids that are all about getting them off the gadgets. So you can go purchase your own surprise rides uh, at Fat Brain Toys, which is the company that ended up buying our, our company actually. And they're amazing. But if you want to reach me, I'm at rosies.co. So it's just R-O-S-Y-S dot C-O. And there I offer advising to entrepreneurs. It's one of my favorite things to do in life is to help people just become their full potential as it relates to their business. And so taking the lessons I've learned and the mistakes I've made and hopefully 
preventing others from making them and just having them grow and, and grow their business the way that they want to. So you can reach me there and kind of learn a little bit more about what I do in general, but I would love to connect with you all. And of course I'm on Instagram and that's just my at Rosie Califf handle. Yay. So one more question for you, okay. if you don't mind. Of course. If COVID wasn't a thing and money, you had buckets and buckets and buckets of money. Money didn't matter. Where are you going and what are you eating? I think I would go to Tuscany and I would rent a villa there. I mean, money, you said money's not a money's problem. No option. So, yeah. So I would go, I would rent a villa and I would rent one that had its own garden and its own just outside area, maybe a courtyard. And I would sit there and cook all day and I would just go to the local local mm-hmm. stores and get charcuterie and like mm-hmm. vegetables and mm-hmm. whatever I needed and use that, those local ingredients. That's my dream. I love it. I mean, too, because I want to live. I literally am obsessed with the movie Under the Tuscan Sun. Obs- obsessed. Mm-hmm. And I want to live that fantasy with you. So let's yes. go to Tuscany. Girl. There's a book I just recently read about Tuscany, the Star, the Star-Crossed Sisters of Tuscany. You told me about that. You so have to good. Read it. I'm, it's on my list. I've already downloaded it it's on Amazon. It's phenomenal. It's really phenomenal. All right. So everyone, book club, Star-Crossed book Sisters. Club. Of Tuscan. Tusk. Yes. Yep. Let's exactly. all read it together. Awesome. I love you so much. So, so, so much. Thanks for coming on, girl. We have to ch- do this again and chat more. 100%. All right. I love care. you. Thank you for I having me. You. Bye. Bye. So I think we can all agree that we all love Rosie. God, she is such a breath of fresh air. Go to my website for all of her contact information in the show notes, elizabethrfuller.com. You guys, thank you so much for listening. Both Rosie and I hope that this episode inspires you to cook and eat outside your comfort zone. There is a whole world out there and man, oh man, is it delicious. Thanks for all of your questions. Keep them coming. Send them to letsgoonafoodadventure at gmail.com. You can DM me at let's go on a food adventure on instagram follow along to my food adventures all of my food photography and my product photography let's work together let's make some beautiful things together until next time you guys thanks so much be safe lead with kindness and take care of one another bye